0: Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, and welcome back once again to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from Yorkshire, England, I hesitate saying North Yorkshire, I'm recording this across a couple of days, so uh, the audio quality will vary between this intro and the review section which I did record from the mobile studio in more familiar surroundings to uh, regular podcast listeners. So, how the heck are you guys? It's been a... I say this every time, don't I? It's been a while since we last spoke, uh, or I last spoke to you. And once again, I have to plead the excuse of busy at work. It's become a fixture this year and it's not going to let up anytime soon. And I did talk about this on the last Gareth's Waste of Time podcast that I am in fear for season eight and being able to keep up with a podcast a week. Uh, I will bust a gut to keep up with the show and bring you a podcast each week. Uh, i 'll do my level best um, yeah that 's all I can say <laughs> uh, as for the rewatches uh, of which this is one <coughs> excuse me a bit of a frog in my throat um, as far as the rewatches go, we are finishing off season two today with the with episode twelve, the season two finale. Uh, I was hoping originally to be uh, a few episodes into season three before. Season 8 came on the screens, but of course I've failed miserably in that department. So, uh, But it'll make a nice clean break really of, of season. So we'll finish season 2 today. Uh, season 8 starts, uh, well as I record this, it's mid-June. Um, season 8 starts back in two weeks' time, just over two weeks. So we'll, we'll press through season 8 and then in the autumn... Uh, I shall be back with the and we'll dive into season three. I should say that although I've made mention of season eight, if you are listening to this podcast and you are listening as you watch through the show for the first time, uh, I can assure you this is a spoiler-free podcast. The only reference to other episodes that I may make or will make is anything up to and including this episode so anything up to and including the end of season 2 beyond season 2 there will be no spoilers so don't worry about learning anything that uh, that's coming up in future seasons i will not spoil you there's nothing i hate more than <laughs> being spoiled about my favorite shows and i've been on the receiving end before and it's not nice <laughs> when you're really invested in a show so uh, please don't worry okay so What can I say? Apart from work, it's been business as usual at home, enjoying spending time with the kids and they continue to grow up, growing fast. It's my youngest son Ethan's birthday this weekend uh, on the 15th of June. He can't wait. He's full of excitement for his birthday party. He's having a Star Wars themed party uh, and hoping for lots of Lego Star Wars presents. Um, just between us. He is getting a bit, but um, a bit of Lego Star Wars. Uh, but don't tell him. <laughs> um, we've also had a week in the Lake District. We've we had our first camping trip of the year. Uh, later than expected because of the, the crap English weather or the British weather, uh, winter just refused to let go and we had cold weather. The occasional sunny day, but it was cold. It was just cold winds that lasted well into May. And it was only two weeks ago that we went camping for the first time. And even then we had two days of rain (laughs) before the sun came out. Uh, But the rest of the week was brilliant. I mean, Even when the weather's bad, we still make the most of it and get out and do stuff. And the Lake District is a fantastic place to be, whatever the weather is. It's always beautiful. Even when the weather closes in, there's still something to see. Okay, so um, I don't really want to uh, waffle for too long Um, because time is money, as a a wise man once said, and it's completely irrelevant (laughs) (laughs) today. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) I don't want to waffle too much just because, you know, spare your your listening time. Um, Let's crack straight on, shall we? Uh, Season 2, episode 12, titled. The British Invasion. Original air date, December the 16th, 2007. Directed by British director Steve Schill, so quite appropriate that the episode should be called The British Invasion. Teleplay by Daniel serone and story by Daniel Cerrone and Melissa Rosenberg. I'm not quite sure exactly what the distinction there is <laughs> between teleplay and story. We don't always get a teleplay credit on Dexter. So maybe serone and Rosenberg thrashed out the story and Sarone then wrote the script for the episode. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, let's get into the review, shall we? For the last time for season two, here we go. We picked right up from the cliffhanger last time. Lila arriving at the cabin... Dokes sensing a chance for freedom and calling out. Of course, he's never met Lila, so he has no idea of her connection to Dexter or what's been happening between her and Batista. Meanwhile, it's all go for Deb as she rushes to join Lundy's team in the field, closing in on where they hope Dokes is. Remember last episode, they found his rental car in the Everglades. Dexter does a good job of dodging going with her. He's got his own mission to prevent the team from finding Doakes locked in a cage, Something that would totally scupper his frame job. He's got to get to the cabin before anyone else. He says he needs a miracle and how ironic that his miracle has long dark hair, a very pale complexion, long legs and a British accent. Not that he knows it yet. We cut back to Lila as she enters the cabin.
1: I'm Sergeant James Dote. Miami Metro Homicide. Who put you in there? Fucking psycho. And he could be back any minute. Grab that key right behind you on the wall. Who is he? His name is Dexter Morgan. I need you to open this gate.
0: Why would he do that? Put you in there?
1: Because I found out that he's a fucking Bay Harbor butcher. Please just open this fucking gate.
0: He's the butcher.
1: That's what I've been trying to tell you. What's in there? Exactly what you think it is. It's evidence. And I saw what happened. I really need to get out of this cage, lady. Poor thing, I'm all alone. I'm okay. Just open the gate. Not you. Dexter. Hiding such an enormous secret. What a burden that's got to be. No wonder he is so shut down. What are you, his accomplice?
0: A soulmate. Oh, Doakes' face a picture there. Oh, bugger. Out of the frying pan into the bloody fire. I really loved that little exchange there. Dokes thinking salvation is at hand, only to find his would-be saviour is batting for the other team. Poor thing, all alone. Great delivery by Jamie Murray. And her reaction when he tells her Dexter's the butcher. She looks like she's going to be sick for a second. She knew he was an addict and had a darkness in him, but she never thought it was something like this. Quite a shock. But such is her perceived connection to Dexter, it doesn't matter to her. Soulmate indeed. I think Dexter would be sick if he was there. (laughs) Seriously though, Lila is an interesting character. There's some great insight from actress Jamie Murray on the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast. She did an interview with writer-producer Scott Reynolds along with Julie Benz. It's a really fun chat, but Jamie has some wonderful thoughts on Lila and her motivation and she really puts her across as a much more sympathetic character. She genuinely loved Dexter and believed there was this amazing connection with him. And as we've seen throughout the season, some of the things she's come out with, we've seen she does have some uncanny insight into addiction and Dexter's inner darkness. She really does have some substantial degree of understanding, unlike anyone Dexter's met before. Just a shame she's a bunny boiler. Anyway, back to the action. Lila has no hesitation in taking measures to protect Dexter at the cost of Doakes' life. Turning on the gas like that. Poor Dox, in a total panic as she leaves him, scrabbling for the cage key. Of course, he can't get out, and it's fitting that his last word, which we can clearly read on his lips, is something he called Dexter on occasion, and... Barbecue police officer, anyone? (laughs) The production team were obviously very proud of their explosion. They shot it to shit. (laughs) They filmed it from every angle and edited it together to show the bang from each one. I like the shot of the duck flying away as the piece of debris plopped down into the swamp. That was a nice touch. Jokes about barbecues aside, I think at this point we should tip our hats to Sergeant James Doakes. I remember the first time I watched this. As much as I didn't want Dexter to get caught, I didn't want Dokes to go up in flames. I've always been a fan of the character and I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot of us out there. He's a well-loved part of the show and we still miss him to this day. The conflicts between him and Dex was a highlight of the first two seasons of the show. There was some great dialogue and who can forget that moment when Dexter baited him in the office with a cheeky headbutt. No
1: matter what you try... You work, I'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason. What was that? I own you. Dissecting Dexter
0: Obviously though, that explosion will have made a lovely noise and a massive bloody glow in the sky to attract police from hundreds of miles around, so when Dexter turns up at the cordon it's no surprise there's a kerfuffle going on. I love Dexter's bewilderment at the scene. They know that a propane tank exploded, but no one knows how or why. Dexter sees it as a blessing because it saves him some trouble, but he's baffled how this happened. Sorry if I sounded distracted there. <laughs> a couple of uh, partridges just ran across the grass in front of the van. Back to the plot. When they find a body the next morning, Dokes was obviously blown a long way by the explosion. Masuka does a quick exam and thinks it's a good bet for dokes. Looks like his legs got blown off in the explosion. Poor bloke. Laguerta shows up and Dexter tries to empathise with her. I can't feel her pain but I appreciate it, he says. He also notes that Doakes wasn't such a bad guy in the end, something we already knew and have talked about on the podcast. He really wasn't a bad guy at all. He was a good man and really didn't deserve this end. But Dexter says the best way to honour his sacrifice is to embrace his freedom. And I love the light-heartedness of the next sequence. It's almost a rehash of the opening titles, complete with the main title theme. Dexter marvelling at enjoying his sleep again, having a hearty breakfast. I'm free, he says. Maybe not quite like that, but (laughs) I'm free. Famous last words, but we'll let him enjoy it for now. And the mirth continues. Mirth. That's a good word. I don't use that enough. (laughs) It's one of those words that sounds nice, that's easy on the ear. The English language is full of them, like wafer. Cauldron, Um, plinth, thong. Yeah, anyway, um, he pops round to Rita's house, wearing a big smile, randy and ready to trot. Afternoon delight, you cheeky monkeys. In the afterglow, the kids come in and find Dexter there. Fortunately, they've finished, and it's sweet how pleased they are to see him. Rita, coyly... (laughs) Sorry, made myself laugh. Rita coyly confirms to them that they're back together, so yay for them. The happy mood is broken, as we briefly cut to the crazy woman. <laughs> Sorry, I just imagined if the kids had come in two minutes earlier. <laughs> the happy mood is broken, as we briefly cut to the crazy woman who's painting a dark, brooding picture of Dexter. Lila's in a strange place right now, obviously. Dexter really does need to put her out of her misery. Over to Deb and Lundy having a moment. Deb's trying to do up his tie for him. It's quite sweet, and she's clearly very keen to make sure they get maximum time together before the case finally wraps up and Lundy has to move on. They plan a trip together, but I thought it funny how different their holiday holiday ideas are. Deb imagines somewhere warm, while Lundy fancies ice fishing. (laughs) But she's happy to do whatever. You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do.
1: You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil.
0: Back in the office, LaGuert is still set on putting holes in the case and proving Doakes' innocence, while Lundy gives her the news that the body at the cabin has been confirmed. It is Doakes. Lundy's sympathetic towards her, nice guy that he is, and she goes back to her paperwork, fiddling around, not really doing anything in particular, before breaking down in tears. You have to feel sorry for her. Yes, she's been a first-rate bitch to different people at times, particularly Deb, but Dokes was her friend, her former partner, and a former lover, not to mention absolutely innocent of these crimes. I do feel bad for her. Nice little acting moment for Lauren Velez here. Dexter and Masuka are going through evidence bags from the cabin and through an off-handed remark from Masuka about Doakes being a suicidal maniac, Dexter learns that they're thinking Doakes might have blown himself up. They found that the gas tank valve was open and the stove was on. It sets off alarm bells for Dexter because, of course, he knows the stove was off when he last left the cabin. He quickly sifts through the bags for anything to shed some light, or perhaps he has an immediate suspicion but he finds a half-melted GPS device. On checking with Rita, she confirms that their own GPS is not in their car. Dexter's coming to a theory that maybe Lila stole the GPS from his car and it led her to the cabin. I'm sure the irony's not lost on him, that this crazy woman who he wants out of Miami and out of his life might have just saved the day. Of course, he'll be worried now that if she found Doakes, that she could have also discovered his secret. It's soon confirmed when she agrees to meet him, but it's in a public place at an aquarium, and the big fish tank makes a nice atmospheric blue backdrop to their conversation. I personally took a bit of relish from Lila's discomfort when he referred to his M.O. of taking people down. She looks afraid, but says she's always been afraid of him because of how he was so obviously consumed by his need, right from the start. Although, of course, right at the start, she didn't understand what his need was exactly. Had she done, maybe she would have been a little bit more afraid, or maybe run a bloody mile. Anyway, it's, it's an interesting comment to make from her, but one that rings perfectly true. He says that Lila has her own needs, emotional needs, leading her to attend all these help groups. She tries to say that she just genuinely had feelings for him and she gets upset. You know, this might surprise you, but I almost feel a little sorry for her here. Her reaction seems genuine, really genuine. Yes, she's got a screw loose, but I think she really does have feelings for Dexter that have consumed her into a kind of obsession. I mean, he's a good-looking, charismatic, mysterious guy. There's no mystery why she wouldn't be intrigued by him. And everyone has their type. Dexter could have fitted hers. But in this moment, Dexter pushes, suggesting they're both driven by strong needs. I'm just like you, he says, before they start making out in front of a family nearby. Yuck! First time I watched this... I was initially confused why he'd kiss her again after he'd only just officially got back with Rita. But I got the sense he was drawing Lila in here, maybe to find out how much she knows before he decides what to do with her. She tells him about what happened in the cabin and unwittingly starts to fit the code. She's now a killer. She killed an innocent man. But it goes on. They start talking about going away together, leaving Miami together. What's Dexter playing at? Can he risk her knowing about him when she's already proven to him that she's not stable? But then we get the confirmation, just as she sounds so happy to have him back. Excuse the sloppy kissing sounds in this clip. I can't
1: wait to go away
0: with you, Dexter. I can't wait.
1: You're going away with me, all right? In a garbage bag?
0: Boom. There it is. Good old Dexter, at his manipulating best. Lulling, luscious Lila. Now there's a tongue twister. (laughs) Try saying that quickly after a few beers. Lulling, luscious Lila. Lulling, luscious Lila. Ah, Bollocks. Lulling Lila into a false sense of security (laughs) through manipulation with the sole intention of drawing her in and killing her. What a psycho. But we love him. And let's face it, she had her chance to get out of Dodge and she didn't take it. At the police station, Batista's talking to Deb and she tells him about threatening Lila with deportation if she doesn't leave Miami. Batista's stunned that she'd do that for him. She says she did it for Dex too, but she gets a big bear hug all the same. She looks a bit taken aback by it. I guess she's not used to this sort of appreciation, but Batista is genuinely touched by what she did. LaGuerta is going round requesting donations for a memorial service for Doakes. Deb offers her sympathies and a friendly ear, and her words eventually bring some emotion out of LaGuerta, who admits she's in denial about Doakes being a killer, and her words should resonate with us.
1: But the case is closed. I'm not going to pursue it. But I knew James. I knew him as a partner and as a friend. And I have to keep on believing that that is who he was because if he could hide all that other fucked up shit, then I don't think I could ever trust anyone again. That's right. Or yourself. Mm I'll leave a check in your office.
0: Now, if you don't feel even a tiny bit sorry for Guerta, then you've got to have a heart of stone. <laughs> but her words there, they do resonate, because we know Deb is in the same sort of position, although she doesn't know it, or even suspect it. The conversation here does make you wonder how Deb would ever respond if she'd learned the truth about her brother. With the trauma of Brian Moser, still fresh in her head, she understandably has trust issues. And we saw something like that earlier in the season with um, Gabriel, was it? Was that his name? It was months ago, wasn't it, when I reviewed that episode? Maybe a year? <laughs> but we see how Deb depends on Dexter for support and stability. You can only think the truth would drive her over the edge. We cut to Dexter preparing his kill tools, musing how Lila is his creation, a deeply mutated version of himself, running around screwing things up. And he can't have that, can he? He goes to Lila's place, but she doesn't seem to be there. He sees the painting of his face, but his footsteps, so he hides, syringe at the ready. A woman walks in, but you just know it's not going to be Lila, but bugger me if he doesn't take a lunge at his own sister. She doesn't see the syringe, luckily, but how close was she there to finding out her brother? (laughs) Then Lila comes in and mentions their trip, which is a bit of a surprise for Deb. A bit awkward for Dexter, and you can see the look of, oh shit, on Dexter's face. He doesn't seem to know what to do, but opts to protect Deb and say nothing. Lila looks at Dexter, and such a sad expression on her face, and in that moment she seems to know what Dexter was planning. Interesting, she gets it spot on, verifying the extent that she understands him. She's a clever girl and says, ''Oh, I'd better get going then.'' and picks up Dexter's bag rather than her own, quite deliberately. Dexter tries to stop her taking it, but quickly has to back down when she says, ''Oh, well, I can just open it here and we can check what's in it.'' (laughs) ''Oh, no, 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 you're all right.'' (laughs) She must have known it contained his tools of the trade. Lila's also clever not just opening the bag right there anyway, because it gives her just a little bit of, le- little bit of leverage <laughs> to get away. Of course, she's now in fear of a life, never mind this latest rejection from Dexter, so I dare say she's not going to hang around. The look on her face as she leaves, though, you can see what looks like true, genuine sadness and heartbreak. You know, I, I'm not... <laughs> I, I can't say I like the woman, but, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for a teeny bit. She really does have strong feelings for Dexter. She's hurt again. You know what they say about a woman scorned, but a woman scorned twice? Oh, hell. <laughs> I did like Debs' don't forget your broom comment. <laughs> Debs' awesome. But Dexter's bricking it now, though. That's a a phrase we have here in the UK, bricking it. Basically, he's a bit worried, (laughs) shall we say. He tries to call Lila outside and apologises for not saying anything. He just didn't want her to know that they were running off together. Do you think Lila's going to buy that? They're planning on leaving Miami together, but Dexter just turns up with a bag of knives. I don't think Lila's likely to take his call. And where is Lila? Well, we find out. She's sitting in her car looking down at a bag of knives and cleavers and a syringe full of tranquilizer, She looks totally crestfallen. I know she's got to die, if Dex is going to keep his secret, but really, I do feel a little sympathy for her now. And speaking of sympathy, let's spare some for Deb. Lundy's packing. He's got a new assignment in Oregon, and his plane leaves tonight. There go the holiday plans as Deb stands there looking goofy with a woolly hat on her head. She tries to go with him, take a leave of absence or something, but he stops her. You're not thinking this
2: through. What's to think about? I'm going with you. It's just a job.
0: It's
1: more than that to you. Okay, I love my job. But not as much as I love... being with you. Just... do me a favour. Take the afternoon... And think about this.
0: Fine. You
1: do me a favour and buy me a goddamn ticket on your flight. I'm going home to pack, and I'll see you at the airport.
0: Seeing Deb in this scene with a man who is maybe, I don't know, 30, 35 years her senior, she just looks so young and naive, lost in her emotions, while Lundy is the realist. With the benefit of experience, although I'm sure he's feeling sadness too, he just has the better perspective and acceptance. And now, after a chat with LaGuerta, it's Deb who's in denial. Poor girl. Anyway, we go to Rita's house, where Asta and Cody are with a random nanny. A knock at the door gets her outside, where Lila appears with Dexter's syringe and takes her down cut back to the police station and the plot thickens. Captain Matthews tells Dexter he's had a call from an Englishwoman, claiming to have vital information about the Bay Harbour Butcher. Dexter tells him she's got a personal issue with him and it's the same girl who tried to get Batista in trouble. However, Matthews wants to tie up any and all loose ends. Which is fair enough, really. Dexter gives it some thought and rushes off, thinking that Lila actually plans to hurt him in some other way. As at Rita's house, he finds the nanny unconscious and the kid's missing. And he tells Rita to call Deb for help. Unfortunately, excuse me, unfortunately, Deb's on her way to the airport when she takes the call. It's a really nice bit of acting from Jennifer Carpenter as Deb's conflicted about the situation. Torn over what to do. But how can she not help Dexter when the kids are in trouble? Meanwhile, Dexter arrives at Lila's place. The kids are safe there, watching TV. Lila appears and tells Dexter he could have had it all before turning some candles over and setting off a fire. She locks the door as the dramatic music kicks in. Dexter smashes a small window pane so the kids can escape, but he can't fit. As he starts to get overcome by smoke, he remembers something Harry asked him as we go to flashback. Young Dexter is probably about nine or ten years old as Harry asks him what he remembers before he took him in Dex says he remembers nothing Harry says that's good because what happened got into him too early and it's going to stay there and make him want to kill and Dexter won't be able to stop it this last bit chilled me a father saying that to his young son albeit adopted son but we've already seen how close Harry kept Dexter to him is that good English? (laughs) he kept young Dexter close to him that's what I'm trying to say (laughs) back in the now and Dexter gets a second wind and seeing a weakness in the front wall he manages to break through it to safety just as Deb arrives on the scene not a moment too soon that he spotted that weakness as he seems to be getting overcome by smoke cut to the airport as Lila queues for a flight to Paris presumably not knowing if Dexter and the children are dead or alive I should say at this stage, remember that tinge of sympathy I felt for Lila a few minutes ago? Back at Lila's place, Rita's reunited with the kids and Dexter's apologising for what happened. Deb's putting out an APB for Lila, although we know she's already in the wind. You've got to hand it to the actor playing a random cop, taking notes from Deb, whose single line is Fucking corpse, got it. (laughs) It just tickled me. I wonder how many times he said that line in front of his mirror before going on set. Not knocking the guy, but it just amused me. (laughs) Thinking of the actor getting a spot on this show, Dexter, and this is his line. Hey mum, I've got a gig on Dexter. That serial killer show? Yeah. What's that? My line? It's fucking corpse. Got it. Hello? Mum? So... Anyway, Dexter has a chat with Deb and notes how this time it's Deb taking care of him. She notes how he's so relaxed, given what's just happened, and he says he's good at compartmentalization. It's interesting to note here that a key characteristic of psychopaths is the ability to compartmentalise, or wall off, or disconnect at will with any emotional connection it enables them to do the most terrible things without suffering feelings of guilt or remorse. Of course, the vast majority of us can't do this, fortunately. Back to the scene, Deb and Dex have a nice little brother-sister moment here to close out Deb's contribution to Season 2. Before, Dex muses how he's come through the fire and out the other side yet again, as if some force out there wants him to keep going, doing what he's doing. He uses the phrase higher power, which is a not-so-subtle direct reference to the theme of addiction this season. The 12-step programme for recovering addicts encourages recognition of a higher power to provide strength in recovery. So, we cut to Paris, where Lila is wandering around, hair bouncing like a L'Oreal advert. (laughs) But is she worth it? Dexter seems to think so. We see her getting into her apartment and going through her mail, She finds a postcard from Miami and a photo of Doakes on the back. Dexter pounces and seems to inject her straight into the spine, rather than the usual spot on the neck. I don't think we've seen him do that to anyone before, but he does explain.
1: Dexter. You wanted to be close to me, Lila. This is the most I have to offer. I can't feel my, my legs and my body good. I went with the spinal epidural instead of the tranquilizer. I've got a plane to catch. And you don't need to feel this. You killed an innocent man. I did it for you. I did... did you try to kill the children for me? Kid? Don't
0: do
1: this. You taught me to accept what I am. trust in the one thing I know with absolute clarity.
0: <laughs> and it's goodnight Vienna. Adios Lila, you crazy gal you. Wasn't Dexter unflinching there? To say he'd, sa- he'd shared such intimacy with this woman, he was unflinching and killing her. But then again, she did just try to kill him and the children, so Fair enough. What this relationship will leave Dexter thinking is that he lets someone in, to an extent, let them get closer to him, open up to them, again, to an extent, and this is what happens. It ends badly and people getting hurt, or killed in doakes's case. For someone who has serious issues when it comes to opening up to people, although, to be fair to him, he does have the biggest doozy of a dark secret, but it's not going to make him rush into opening up to anyone else, is it? He's close to Rita, yes, but it's a very superficial closeness. He certainly cares for her, for her and the kids. He selflessly helped them escape the fire before trying to save himself. He put them first. That's not the mark of a selfish, psychopathic monster. hes He is, he's continuing to make progress, although him opening up to Lila will knock him back in that department. You do get the feeling he won't ever open up to Rita in this way. You do get the feeling that he'd love to be with someone he can truly be himself with, though. As nice as Rita is, Dexter's always got to hide from her, lie to her, sneak around. I don't know. Lila wasn't right for him, and neither's Rita, but at least Rita isn't a crazy woman who could go postal at the drop of a hat. And so season two closes out, as the show usually does, with a Dexter monologue, as he considers the state of things during which we see glimpses of the other characters, like Deb and Batista getting commendations, presumably for their work on the Bay Harbour butcher case. We see a very empty memorial service for dokes, attended by his immediate family, a teary LaGuerta and Dexter himself sitting at the back. There's a glimpse of Dexter playing with Rita and the kids, showing them all happy together. Despite what I just said about his relationship with Rita, they are good for him. They help to keep a part of him grounded, somewhere good, uh, somewhere positive.
1: Not long ago, I had a dream that people could see me for what I am. And for a brief instant in time, the world actually saw my bodies of work. Some even cheered. But as it turns out, nobody mourns the wicked. Sorry, James. I think Harry knew that from the start. That's why he gave me a code. It cost him his life, but it kept me alive through incredible trials. The code is mine now, and mine alone. So too are the relationships I cultivate. They're not just disguises anymore. I need them. Even if they make me vulnerable. My father might not approve, but I'm no longer his disciple. I'm a master now, an idea transcended into life. And so this is my new path, which is a lot like the old one, only mine. To stay on that path, I need to work harder, explore new rituals, evolve. Am I evil? Am I good? I'm done asking those questions. I don't have the answers. Does anyone?
0: And so we learn that Dex is moving on from living in Harry's shadow. I'm a master, he says, confident, isn't he? But then look at what he's overcome this last two seasons. Trials, as he re- as he refers to them. He recognizes the need to have his disguises. We see the images of him with Rita and the kids who help him keep his biggest facade. But like we've said many times now, he does genuinely care about them, and I do think he really does enjoy being with them, despite him coldly referring to disguises. The unreliable narrator right there. But he's at a place now, after Lila, where he's not fighting his darkness. He seems to be embracing it again, as illustrated by the new slide box. It's a new chapter. He's Dexter Morgan, blood spatter analyst by day, serial killer by night, and he's not going anywhere. Before I sum up my general thoughts on the season, let's hear some comment from you guys.
1: Listener Feedback
2: Previously on dissecting Dexter. And then finally, okay, I have to be careful what I say here because I don't want to give spoilers. But just take note of the fact that there's a there's a line Dexter has when he's thinking to himself about going to the cabin. He says something like, "Oh, I don't got to worry about the cabin. No one's gonna break into the cabin because it's basically a bunker." Dexter thinks the cabin is a bunker, so I'm not gonna say anything. But it's remember that because I'm gonna bring this up in like another podcast or two. All right, so don't forget. A bunker? What you call that? A bunker? Dexter? God dang, Skinny Bone Jones? Lila just one smash with her sledgehammer just broke into that thing. You think that's a bunker? Man, remind me never to let Dexter Morgan do like home security or or baby-proof my house or anything like that. That dude does not know when things are safe. Woo! That's I've been waiting to for the payoff for that one f- for eleven months. About. I, that was back in July was when you did episode nine. At any rate, this is the finale. <laughs> this is the finale episode of, um, of season two. And, uh, now it's a good episode. Yeah, of course. It's a very sad dokes. He's gone. I remember when I watched it the first time he died so early in the episode. I remember, I don't know. I trying to think in my head, like, nah, he's not dead. Trying to do some mental gymnastics to figure out a way that dokes survived. But nah, man, he gone. Uh, he went out like a champ too, you know, I mean, that's the only way he dies hard, that's for sure. So, R.I.P. James Dokes. It's a little, it sucks a little bit that his name is going to be forever in the mud, uh, I guess, because now people think he's the butcher, but hey, you know, if you gotta choose between Dokes and our boy Dexter, I mean, that ain't really a choice at all. You know, it's gotta be Dexter today and the day after today, every day, it's gonna be Dex. I'm glad Lila finally died. I mean, oh God, Lila couldn't die soon enough. I remember, I I remember I was disappointed though. How her, I think I thought her death wasn't very satisfying. Uh, in terms of like, I wanted her to suffer. I wanted her to know like, yo bitch, it's over for you. Uh, I mean, she didn't know it was over, but she didn't feel any pain. I believe Dexter gave her some sort of, whatever Dexter gave her made it so she wouldn't feel anything. And I'm like, no, she needs to feel this. She ruined (laughs) She ruined Doakes' life. I don't know. That's hard to say. She ruined Dexter's life. Almost. Yeah, and then Lundy. It was it was a, a sad that Lundy left. Kind of unceremoniously, too. Uh, we didn't even really get, like, a goodbye scene between Deb and Lundy. Uh, every, I, I like Lundy a lot. I think most people like Lundy. And so um, it was sad to see him go. You know, they had some plan to go off somewhere together. And, you know, Deb was going to follow him off to Oregon or something, I think. And, um... Yeah, and then she just bailed on him, and we didn't even get, like, a scene with him at the airport looking at his watch or anything like that, but I don't know. I just hope that we see Lundy in the future. Uh, I don't know. Maybe season three Lundy will come back. I don't know. He's a busy guy, though. I'd uh, I'd like to see him again. I, he was good. I thought he's a good – he was kind of – he. people describe him, and I guess I would too, as like he's a good adversary for Dexter, but I don't know, he never really went toe-to-toe with Dexter. I guess he was hunting Dexter the whole time, but – no, no, I guess he has a good adversary, but he never found out about Dexter. Uh, I remember Lila took the um, Lila took Dexter. Remember Lila took Dexter's duffel bag and looked at his tools. And uh, I remember wondering, like, what the hell did De- what the hell did Lila do with Dexter's tools? Remember that freaked her out. That's kind of like what made her kidnap Rita's kids because she saw, oh, Dexter was trying to kill me. Yeah, I remember that's still a dangling plot there. I, that will never get addressed. But I'm wondering, like, what the hell did Lila do with his tools? Like all of his he had all of his kill shit ready there in that double bag. Deb's also got some other good moments this episode. She saves Dexter, which is like a reversal of fortune from you know the previous year's finale. Uh this time she you know she comes to Dexter's aid when everything's on fire and whatnot. Oh, okay, well then again, okay. Dexter did kind of bust out all on his own. Dexter kinda of had it covered. So maybe I'm giving Deb too much credit. I mean, she gets an A for effort. Um but she also did the sweet thing and kind of when, when LaGuerta showed up to the cabin explosion site, you know, she kind of stopped LaGuerta from seeing Doakes' body. So that was sweet of her, you know. It shows how f- how far their relationship has come, I guess, since season one. Um, so that was very sweet of Deb. What a sweet girl. Uh, just, and then one final thing I remember is... Um, dexter Dexter's like the most productive dude in the world, man. he gets a lot done, so he goes to the explosion site at night. He stays there till morning and they find the body and they think it's dokes. This is the morning. he's supposed to drive back to Miami, which I think is like he says that it's two hours away from from where the cabin is that's what he had said on his when he first went there on with his g p s it's two hours away. He drives to Miami two hours later, falls asleep, wakes up, eats breakfast, exercises, goes to Rita. You know, bangs Rita. right, no, I'm sorry, uh, let me, pardon my French, I mean, he makes love to Rita. Uh, and then goes to work and brings everybody donuts in the morning, like, yo, dang, that dude gets shit done super fast. Uh, I need that dude to, like, I don't know, do something funny, I don't know, I can't think of anything funny.
0: (laughs) Previously on Dissecting Dexter. Nice touch, I like it. But, holy cow, was it really last July? Nearly a year ago when I did episode 9? This is episode 12? Crikey. No wonder I've forgotten about your bunker reference. But knowing you as much as we do, I'm sure no one will be surprised that you couldn't wait for Lila to take a knife to the chest. I'd been wary of her all season and even had a little outburst last time when she was all oh, all forlorn in the hospital bed, all, oh, woe is me, talking to Dexter. Do you remember? (laughs) But I did flirt with just a tiny bit of sympathy this episode because she was genuinely hurt by Dexter. I don't think even you, Travis, could deny that she did have a right to be hurt by that. Crazy woman or not... As Jamie Murray herself said, Lila really did have strong feelings for him. Obviously, any hint of sympathy flew out of the window, along with Astra and Cody, when she tried to kill them. But I can see her point of view. You make a very good point about the bag of knives that Lila had. What did happen to those? Maybe we should ask someone on the show. I am hoping to get one of the writers on the podcast after season 8, and I do have... Um, a yes from one of the writers. It's, it'll just be a case of scheduling, I think, once season eight is done. So um, watch this space and uh, note this question down as a as a question for them. <laughs> I have started making a list. So actually, anyone listening, any questions you want to make of, of the writers on the show, um, anything from covering all seasons in Facts, not just season eight, although obviously the emphasis will be on the conclusion of Dexter, um, do email them into me, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Or send them via tweet, uh, or post them on Facebook. Probably email's the best place, and I shall collate them and credit you during the interview, which I I really hope will come off, because I've always wanted to have a chat with one of the writers. Back to your voicemail, Travis. You mentioned Lundy. I completely agree. He would be a great adversary for Dexter. It would force Deb to decide between the two. We know Lundy's a good investigator and a genuinely nice guy. So it would have torn us as viewers a little because we have to root for Dexter, let's face it. He's the anti-hero. He's our main character. Yet Lundy's not done anything wrong, has he? Except he would would be doing something wrong by default, sort of, by trying to capture Dexter. It's the same with Doakes. We have to side with Dexter, but at the same time, we have to sympathise with Doakes when he's only doing his job and following up on his very accurate suspicions anyway thanks travis and and thanks very much for for keeping the feedback section alive and kicking throughout season two it's understandable that most of the listenership to the podcast tune in for the uh review podcast covering the new seasons uh and i'm sure um the the listenership will come through in in Bucket loads uh, when season eight 's on i 'm sure everybody will have a lot to say again then, um, and i 'm always appreciative but um, you, you 've been uh, you 've kept the section going <laughs> uh, throughout season two, so thanks very much however you 're not the only contributor on this occasion. We have an email from uh, Diana from Alberta, Canada. Um, Diana is a regular contributor to the uh, current rewatch the current review podcast if that if that phrase makes sense. Uh, but it's great to hear from Diana who writes in about season the season 2 finale and she says, "Thanks for finding time to keep up with the Dexter podcast even when you were crazy busy. It's great to hear your voice even when you're whinging about the weather. It's not just a British thing. Canadians act all hardy and tough, but you should hear all the whining about late spring here this year. We had snow yesterday and it's April the 22nd." Crikey, that dates this email and dates my last podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Diana goes on to say, Not a leaf, bud or blade of green grass in sight. Now look who's whinging. I have very mixed feelings about season two. I loved everything except Lila. The breakup with Rita and the Lila relationship felt too much like soap opera land. Every time her story came up, I really wanted to fast-forward. The best part of Lila was that she gave Deb the chance to describe her as Little Miss Pardon My Tits and Gross English Titty Vampire. (laughs) I'd forgotten that one. (laughs) Who can forget Pardon My Tits but Titty Vampire. Awesome. Back to back with season one, season two was weaker, but even so, superior to most other television on at the same time. Looking back, she was my least favourite big bad of all seven seasons, but a weak character on Dexter is better than a lot of the viewing choices out there. I'm not sure Lila fit the definition of a big bad, really. It felt like Lundy and Dexter's past were the true big bads this season. Watching Dexter's past be unfolded, and the reactions of his co-workers as they discover that the perpetrator must be one of their own, was great TV. Dexter was taxed to his limits, trying to keep his multiple lives separate, and it's always exhilarating. Lundy was such a well-played character. He was as smart, maybe smarter than Dexter, and gave a real sense that he could get caught. I really liked Keith Carradine so much, I went out and got Deadwood to see him in something else. There was a good show cut short. The quote from the series premiere. The only real question I have is why in a building full of cops, all supposedly with a keen insight to the human soul, is Doakes the only one who gets the creeps from me? Dexter has to contend with that all season one and two. The Doakes-Dexter conflict was one of the best written and realistic of the series. Rest in peace, James Doakes. I have a hard time rating seasons. Rating seasons. I think how I rate them after the fact would be way different than at the moment I see let me read that again. I think how I rate them after the fact would be way different than at the moment I see them for the first time. Almost every episode of Dexter for seven seasons has kept me glued to the TV and waiting for the next episode. It keeps me guessing and piques my interest enough to seek out blogs and podcasts to extend my entertainment. Do the writers take shortcuts or occasionally miss the boat? Sure. But an episode I love may drive others to distraction. Thanks very much, Diana. It's natural to want a show you're really into to be perfect, but they rarely are. <laughs> Plus, we all want different things from them, so they're never going to be able to please everybody all the time. And we do have to forgive little things sometimes, or they'll fester and spoil your enjoyment. Like the kill tools Travis mentioned. It's true it is a plot hole but it is one of those things we have to let go although I would be interested to know if the writers just forgot about that it's not a big surprise you never cared for Lila she was a hard character to like even from the beginning her portrayal was always a bit too slimy although that could be deliberate like we were always meant to think there might be a dark side to her I never trusted her though and on first watch I didn't like Dexter cheating on Rita. But I guess it's true to life in that way. This sort of thing does happen. Oh, blimey, there's thunder rumbling outside. (laughs) It's chucking it down with rain now. I talk about the weather and summer finally, well, supposedly being here. (laughs) Bloody hell, it's absolutely raining cats and dogs outside at the moment. And I've got to go and pick the kids up from school in about ten minutes' time. Brilliant. Anyway... What was I talking about? Lost my train of thought. Um, what was I saying? Dexter cheating on Rita. Yeah. Um, at the time, I didn't like Dexter doing that. Um, and I guess when you care about a character, you invest in a character. You don't approve of certain things that they do. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, just a failing. It's, it's a negative, a downside, I suppose, of getting truly and totally invested in a show but it is true to life that unfortunately people do have affairs um, people are fallible people make mistakes they make errors of judgment all the time alright this is a bit of a doozy <laughs> and this is one of Dexter's but it was driven by his need to make a connection with someone who can understand him and Lila drew him in because she had a real sense of his darkness and addiction even though she didn't discover the true nature of that until much later. Anyway, thanks Diana. Always good to hear from you. And I look forward to hearing from you and Travis and the rest of the listeners during Season 8. Okay, so if you want to get in touch with me, you can always do that by phone. In the US, the listener line is 646 and in the UK, it's 0844 And with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. You could almo- you could also record a voice message on iPhone, on your computer, or any other recording device and email it to me. Or just a straight email, like Diana did, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. There's Twitter, at DesecDexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And the Facebook page. Not terribly busy in between seasons, it has to be said. And I traditionally try to post tidbits about forthcoming seasons, uh, although not major spoilers um, as we go. But... Uh, Like I say, I've been busy and I've just completely, almost completely failed to do that, so apologies. Uh, But that will no doubt spring into life in a couple of weeks' time when Season 8 kicks into gear. Uh, But you can find the podcast Facebook page by going onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find the page. And before we move on, a quick plug for the podcast sponsor, audible.com. You can support the podcast and get yourself a free audiobook download. Choose from one of Audible's tens of thousands upon thousands of titles, fiction and non-fiction. You could almost name it and it'll be there. Loads of stuff on serial killers. The Dexter novels are there. Go to www.audible.com audibletrial.com slash dexter if you sign up for a free one month trial no obligation you can cancel after one month and not pay them a penny but during that month uh, you can download one free audiobook and if you sign up for that month trial I get a little kickback and it it helps um, support the podcast and go towards uh, Skype credit for the, the conference calls and interviews and Uh, the voicemail line and and stuff like that so um, thanks in advance and and quite a lot of you have uh, supported the podcast through uh, Audible already and thank you to each and every one of you
1: Next time on Dissecting Dexter
0: The next podcast for me will be for season eight. But if you're listening as you watch the show through these early seasons, as I talked about earlier, the rewatch podcasts uh, will be suspended for a while. They they always go on hiatus while the new seasons are airing. Season three, episode one will be the next rewatch, but I won't get to it until after we've said our goodbyes to Dexter when the final season ends in late September. And well, <laughs> I can only imagine how emotional that could be. So, I guess it'll be October or November for the rewatches to come back. It will mean that although Dexter, the TV series, will end and um, no doubt a lot of uh, listeners will probably leave the podcast at that point. The Dissecting Dexter podcast will most definitely live on long after season eight finishes as we still have season three and four to go through. It'll mean for those of you who have been with me since the start of the podcast, some I don't know, three, four years ago? (laughs) It'll mean that the very last Dissecting Dexter review podcast will cover the season four finale. No spoilers, but those of you who are up to date with the show, at least up until the end of season four, will know that it's a pretty good episode to finish on.
1: This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Me control the chaos.
0: So that brings us to the end of our coverage of season two. It's been a good season, and until I watched season one and season two for a second time, I must confess I did rate season two sometimes, depending what mood I was in, a bit higher than season one. But honestly, season one still steals the prize for me now. Um, no question, it didn't put a foot wrong, or barely a foot wrong, season 2 does have a few a few bum notes, nothing major, I, I guess it hangs on how much you buy into the Lila character, which for me, I did, that's not to say I liked her as a person, I, as I've said today, I, I can understand her motivation, and I can understand her hurt, obviously she's very damaged, and has her, or had her psychological issues and got far too into Dexter to the point of obsession that, that led her to some very drastic actions towards the end of the season. Um, and of course what she did to Batista which was unforgivable. But I did have a tinge of sympathy again as I've talked about today not to retread that ground. The Doakes arc was enjoyable. I was very sad to see him go. He was, and still is, one of my favourite all-time characters from Dexter. Um, But I guess it was him or Dexter. And if the show was to continue past season two, then (laughs) Doakes had to go, didn't he? Um, But he certainly went up in spectacular fashion, and not at Dexter's hand. So Dexter's conscience is clear insofar as he didn't kill an innocent man, Uh, Lila kind of solved that problem. Well, she did know kind of about it. She solved that problem for him. Uh, But throughout season one and two, the ongoing conflicts between Dotes and Dexter was an ongoing highlight of the show, right from the the original pilot episode. Um, Credit to Eric King for his very... What's the word? Very unique portrayal of, of this wonderful character. Um, some may say Dokes could, I guess you could argue, might be a little bit of a two, two-dimensional character. I, I've heard negative comments about him before. Um, I think within the context of the show, he was a great foil for Dexter. And their conflict provided, for me, my highlight of season two. And that was this no matter what
1: you try no matter when no matter how hard you work i'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason and what's that i own you uh,
0: fuck, uh, fuck.
2: Get off! Get Get off! Get off! Get Why are you
1: doing this? Stop! <sighs> I want your gun, your badge, and your police ID. I want your access card, too. Now! Type a statement that Sergeant Jokes is on administrative leave... Pending
0: an internal affairs investigation. You two get him out of here. Thanks. Just terrific drama. I can remember watching that the first time and when he head-butted Doakes, like, oh shit, it's going to kick off now. And uh, of course it did, but Dexter, wily operator that he is, didn't rise to the bait and um, just, just took the punch and let Doakes... Uh, kind of (laughs) he gave himself enough rope to hang himself gave him enough rope to hang himself great stuff I've mentioned about the arc of of Dexter and and what he may or may not have learnt this season and I also enjoyed what what happened with Deb I mean she's still very damaged and and fragile from her experiences with Brian in season one Uh, and and that was all very sad for her And, and it's sad again that she's She had this closeness with with Lundy, whether or not you could argue it was a bit of a father-figure fixation. And I'm sure a a psychiatrist would have a field day, but I sympathise with her. And um, I don't know, (laughs) she's still got a brother who's a secret serial killer. And uh, I don't know, it's the the ongoing ongoing mystery of the show is if and when she'll find out. And I don't think she's ever going to take it very well if she ever does find out. So that season two thanks very much for sticking with me through these rewatches I'm looking forward to tackling season three because it was a kind of a change of pace of season I think but th- this will be the first my first rewatch of season three so I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing if my opinion changes on rewatch I have a sneaky feeling it, it might because there are certainly from people who have watched these episodes more than I have that the the consensus is that season three is by no means the weakest season but we'll get to that in due course for now I shall say goodbye and thank you very much for listening and for your support your ongoing support and can't wait for season eight a couple of weeks away thanks again guys take care until we dissect some more Dexter together cheers for now bye bye